0: My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. There are really only three characters in this story. There's the Sadducees, there's the spectators, and there's the Savior of the world. That's the whole story. We've got three groups of people. Now, my job as a pastor is to help you understand these first century people But you sort of already know. We've heard about Sadducees and Pharisees. We've heard about the Savior our whole lives if we've been in church. So is there any new information? Well, this is the information I want you to gather today, is that they knew each other very well. They knew each other. They understood the theological positions of each other intimately. Now, if you look up Sadducees in, in the old writings... Uh, Josephus, a historian from the first century, had these lovely and uplifting things to say about Sadducees. First, we already heard in the scripture, they rejected the immortality of the soul. They believed that dead was dead and there was nothing after it. They believed that all human activity is attributed to free will, that it's not fate or God's hand, that everything that happens is our fault. They rejected all other traditions, especially the Pharisees. There was only one way, and it was the Sadducee way. They were influential, wealthy, elite, boorish, stern in legal leanings, mostly priests. They were greatly Hellenized. That means that they had adopted Greek customs, and they had a good relationship with the Romans. That's quite a lot. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I'd want to be a Sadducee. If that's the best he could come with, right about them. But let's talk about the spectators, the people who were watching this take place. Do you know who their teachers were? The Pharisees. And they believed in a life after death. Now, if you read psychology textbooks, and I do, because <laughs> I have to, of people believe that dreams can have messages, and 80% believe that there's something after this. That when we die, death is not the end. It's a door, it's a tunnel, it's a journey, it's a something, and there's something on the other side. They believe that in the first century as well. But they were concerned with the balance between faith and feeding their families. Very much like us. They had a basic contempt and distrust for anybody rich and educated. And they came to see, they came to hear, and they came to be healed by the Savior or the Son of God. So we've got the Sadducees, we've got the spectators, let's talk about the Savior. Hopefully you know him very well, and this is just a reminder, Jesus made the lame to walk, he made the blind to see. The sick were healed, demons were cast out, and like he told John the Baptist, the good news was preached to the poor. Now, why would the Sadducees come and ask Jesus a question? They wanted to trick him. They wanted Jesus to say something that they could use against him with the people so that they could turn his trust away. Oh my goodness, it's just like watching TV. Has anybody watched TV in the last month? We don't even live in Pennsylvania, but we know all the candidates, and we know all the dirt that they're throwing on each other. That's exactly what the Sadducees were looking for. What dirt could we throw at Jesus so the people will stop following him and come back to the true religion? In essence, this crazy question that they asked would be like asking this question today. How do vegetarians like their steak cooked? I don't know about you, but most vegetarians I know don't eat steak. It's a silly question. They, who don't believe in heaven, were asking Jesus whose wife this girl would be in heaven. They were asking a ridiculous question. People who didn't believe in heaven were asking what heaven was like. Now think about this. You remember Saturday morning cartoons? Used to be a big deal. We all got up early. Saturday morning. And the commercials were as much fun as the shows. Right? You got the newest toys were coming out, upcoming shows, and every other commercial seemed to be for a sugary cereal. Quisp was my favorite. Now, if you know, Quisp turned into Captain Crunch, but you remember Quisp with the little alien? Mm-hmm. Some do and some don't, right? Sugary cereal. What about that poor rabbit? <laughs> Silly rabbit, they would say. Tricks are for kids. You know that rabbit has never had tricks in 60 years. They even in uh, 2015 had a contest. They got a rabbit, a real rabbit mascot, and they named it Cinnabon Bun. But the rabbit never got tricks. And every time he tried, no matter what trick, no matter what ploy, no matter what costume he wore, the announcer always said, silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. So for me, this passage is not about pompous blowhards. It has nothing to do with the Sadducees. It has nothing to do with people in need of a savior. And it has nothing to do with a personal savior. All these are already part of the story. This story for me is about promise. People who believed that there was no heaven asked a question about heaven and what did Jesus say? For those who are righteous, for those who believe, for those who are found worthy, Heaven is coming. Heaven is the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. I want you to think about the Old Testament stories. Remember Enoch? It's a little note in Genesis. that says, Enoch walked with God and was no more. Where did Enoch go? Remember the story of Elijah and Elisha? And Elijah knew that it was time to go to heaven, and Elisha... Stuck to him like glue. And he followed him around and all the prophets were saying, today's the day. And he's like, shh, I know, I know, I know. Until finally, if you read the scripture, a whirlwind separated the two of them. A chariot separated the two of them and a whirlwind took Elijah to heaven. Oh, I gave it away. Where did he go? God has been telling us almost since the beginning that there is a place to go, and that for people who are faithful, the place is for us. Think about this. God lives in a holy temple. But does he live there alone? No. We are invited. If we all carry a sense of the eternal, a sense of right and wrong and a knowledge of God, then we all carry a knowledge that this is not the end. Heaven sometimes is an easier belief, I want you to hear about this, than believing in a need for a Savior. Now, God prepares our hearts. I hope he's been preparing your heart for this message. But three times this week, out of the blue, people have asked me about heaven and what happens when you die. I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. We we pray for Kim. She asked me, what is heaven like? because she wants to know where her mother, who has been a a faithful member of a Lutheran church, where is my mother going to go? And we talked about that. I have a friend who had surgery. Surgery went fine, they sent him home, and an artery burst, and he was bleeding out. They had to raise him back to the hospital. They said that if they didn't get him there within time, he would have died, and he was scared. I said, what scares you? He says, I don't know. What comes after death? And we had a nice talk about that. And I told him, well, it's funny. He said, Doc, how many times have you almost died? Because, you know, anaphylaxis visits my house. I think this the seventh or eighth time. And sometimes it's been really bad. He says, are you afraid? I said, not at all. He said, what? I said, I know where I'm going. Paul said to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. I said, yes, I don't want to go yet. I have a beautiful wife. I live by a beautiful lake. I have beautiful grandchildren. I'm not ready to go. But when that time comes, there's a promise. And the third person who stopped into my life this week, and I told him I was going to put him in the sermon, his grandfather died. And he is really stuck in, in between denial and bargaining, or de- a depression. He either is crying or he can't believe it happened. We've all met people like that. And he said, I I need to know what all the religions believe about the afterlife. And we had a long talk about what Christians believe and what Unitarians believe and what Muslims believe and what Jews believe. He said, that helped me so much. I said, really? He said, yes, I now know that all of those religions believe there's something. There must be something. And then he shared that his grandfather was a godly man. And now he was fairly certain he knew where his father was. Yes, I asked if he was ready to talk about where he would go. He was not yet ready. So as I'm getting ready for the sermon, and these three people are talking to me about heaven, I realize that what's missing is the promise. Reminds me of 1966. Halloween, there was a cartoon on TV. It was the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. And everybody remembers Snoopy on the doghouse shooting the Red Baron and Lucy, you know, drawing the picture of the pumpkin on the back of Charlie Brown's head. But you know what people remember the most? Is the rock. I got cotton candy. I got gum. And what's Charlie Brown say? I got a rock. Charles Schultz insisted on that being in the cartoon the person drawing the cartoon and the group working on it together didn't want it, and he said, I want it in there. And he was so emphatic that they they said, we'll do it, but only three times. So Charlie Brown only got, on the video, three rocks. It was so upsetting to children in 1966 that they put their Halloween candy in envelopes and sent it to CBS for Charlie Brown. For many years after... Every Halloween, people would send candy to Charles Schultz's house because they thought Charlie Brown should get the candy. Why? Because there's a promise. Think about this. You put on the mask, you put on the bag, you knock on a stranger's door, you say, trick or treat, there's a promise there that if you open the door, you're giving out candy. Jesus says there's a promise. If you knock on the door of the heaven and you've taken me as your Lord and personal Savior... There's a promise, and the promise is heaven. Like candy to a trick-or-treater or Halloween on Halloween, a promise is fulfilled, so heaven is to a believer. For me, that's the point of the story, not whose wife she'll be. Where we who believe will spend eternity is the promise. In our communion service today, we're going to say these words. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Comes from where? Heaven. Jesus is reminding us that God's promises are true. Sometimes hard to understand, sometimes a mystery, but always true. Like the rising of the sun, the beauty of a rainbow... The joy of fellowship, praise, and doing good. Heaven is real. And we can look forward to our eternity there. It doesn't matter how a vegetarian likes their steak cooked. It matters that God has prepared a place in heaven for everyone who believes. As we move to communion, join us in this meal that is, hear this, promise and promised. Help. Help and hope, sacrament, and celebration. Amen.